Southern Cal guys, like, um, you know, all just people I've played with down here too. Russell Henley, I've gotten a chance to play without in like Palm Springs a little bit. That's sweet. Um, so yeah, they're good people. But Gary Woodland was the it dude in college. Right. Well, let's have him be the it dude this week. <laughs> good luck to you. <laughs> and what about this uh, Ekrot character? God damn. I'm, I'm going to be attached to this guy for the rest of my life. I've I've been touting him like crazy. He's been good. I know. He's, he's a very good player out of Oklahoma State. He's got pretty solid all-around game. Guys who pop like that in college are just carrying over to the PGA Tour more than ever. What's and the just, KFT? A Corn Ferry Tour. So it's like the, so it's the, what was the Nike tour or the nationwide tour, just like whatever the B league is, but like in golf, they are closer to like being a top tier PGA thing than like what the G league would be to the NBA. Gotcha. Now we're ready. Yeah, we're good, man. Yeah, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show ownership edition and uh, special week championship edition. We already have props. We had props yesterday. We got props again today. We got ownership. We got top stack tool posted. We got boom bust. All of that great stuff over at awesome. So we are well equipped to carry you into Sunday here. This morning, I'm Dave Lochran at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D for those of you podcast listeners, joined by Eric Linquist at Eric Linquist and Matt Gajewski at Matt underscore Gajewski, G-A-J-E-W-S-K-I. What's up, Matt? How we feeling, bro? I'm doing good, man. I'm very happy with a lot of the football we saw last weekend. Obviously, oh, yeah. that, that final game was fantastic, so I'm hoping we get some pretty exciting performances here. The spreads are a little more lopsided, you know, close to a touchdown, touchdown in some spots in the Kansas City game. And then we drew the officiating crew that has called the most penalties all season for San Francisco LA. So I'm hoping we can overcome some of those potential mishaps. Me too. And I'll say, Eric, you were, uh, you almost had it, man. You almost had the all dog wins. Did you bet it? Yeah, I bet everything. I bet every dog against the spread and money line. And then okay. I also put a parlay together for like a hundred bucks just have to like to. have a sprinkle. 38 to one. Everybody's like, oh, this is the greatest game of all time. I'm like, not when I lost $3,800 <laughs> as a result. I don't have a cash out button available to me when you use a friend here in California. So you uh, see, I, I love doing that. Bet them all as singles and then parlay them with a smaller bet. Yep, makes sense. Exactly you still it. profited. Could have been a huge, could have been a huge day, right? But could have been a huge weekend. So I mean, three and one, or technically six and two, because I bet you know money line and spread. But uh, it was it was an unbelievable football game. It was nice to again. I thought every game would be more competitive. People were talking about Henry and other things, and uh, obviously every game had its own little nuances. But uh, that's kind of the story of the divisional round the last couple of years. It's just dogs are so so live. Uh, more than ever, there's not very much disparity. I mean, even a team like Kansas City, they have a pretty strong equal in Buffalo. And it was just fun to see a, a complete weekend of football because I feel like we haven't had that in a very long time. I'll say, Matt, we, uh, we've been crushing the prop games recently. That was my, that was my biggest out last week because everything hmm. looked great. I was overweight on Aaron Jones. I, I talked to Ben about this yesterday. Overweight on Aaron Jones, on A.J. Brown. I'm thinking, all right, we look okay. 
going into going into this final game and then shit hit the fan. I mean, if you if you didn't have just an insane amount of that game and I look, I had a good amount. But if you if you didn't have Gabe Davis, I mean, you were lucky to min cash by the end of that game. Yeah, crazy high scoring compared to the other totals. And I mean, especially the Saturday games, if you were overweight on those games, you might as well have just played the Sunday only slate. You were you were dead in the water. <laughs> I don't think any swap you would have possibly made would have got you there. So it was a really interesting slate. And the people that did stack that game were rewarded. And that's a strategy I think you can take on small game slates. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to worry about as much negative correlation as your 12, 13, 14 main slates, just because you have limited alternatives. Sometimes those onslaughts and those game stacks can get there as proven by the Buffalo Kansas city game. And it turned out, honestly, Eric, even though some of the games weren't as exciting through 60 minutes, you had four walk-offs. You had four games that ended on the final play. We couldn't have asked for anything better, which leads me to believe that, Maybe there's a little bit of a letdown this week, just in terms of the overall excitement of these games. But I still think both of them can be competitive. I mean, I'm not betting Cincinnati on the money line. I can tell you that much, but I think they can keep it within a touchdown. Their offense is very high powered. And then San Francisco, I mean, Garoppolo's got the sprained shoulder. He's got the torn ligament in his thumb. He's got the chip bone in his thumb. He's been just downright dreadful through the first two games, but their, their, their defense has kept things together. Their special teams last week amazingly kept things together. And uh, this is the third time these two teams face each other this season. Yeah. I, for me, <laughs> no hot takes here coming in this week. I, you know, I just kind of look at the board and I see two games that, you know, stylistically are going to be very fun. I think Cincinnati Casey having a 54 and a half total, there's nothing that's not going to be exciting about that football game, but how could you even like look at seven points there? I mean, I think Cincinnati can keep it competitive, but there's so many paths that that game can take um, that it, it just feels like seven is the appropriate number there. And, you know, we obviously didn't have anything close to ranging that even green Bay and San Francisco was below that touchdown. So San Francisco and the Rams, obviously, you know, third time that they're meeting this season, you alluded to, and, you know, I think stylistically going to be very fascinating because I think both teams um, you know, I think both teams are going to be very capable of running the ball on each other, but you know, I, I think the Rams have to have the leg up in the passing game here of late. We'll talk about Garoppolo. This is actually a, a good situation. It's not zero degrees out, you know, it's going to be in a dome in Los Angeles. Pretty, pretty easy kind of look at that as an upgrade for him. But, uh, I, I don't think that he's really going to be relevant from a DFS perspective for me, but I think the games are just set up to be very entertaining. I don't think you can expect anything close to what we had last weekend, but stylistically, it's going to be very fun. All right, boys, let's dive into it. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. And uh, subscribe to the channel. You guys have been with us all year long. This is the last strategy show until the Super Bowl, and that'll do it. That'll be the end. This is the last, sorry, Wednesday strategy show until the Super Bowl. We're going to have an insane amount of Super Bowl content, though. DFS, betting you name it, everything in the final week leading up to to that game. So stick with us through that. But yeah, hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so yet. Almost at 72,000 subs. We've had an awesome year from an NFL perspective. I'm personally sad to see it come to an end. Matt, I bet you are too, man. It's been a blast. Yeah, man. I I wish we had some spring football league, uh, like an XFL or something. If we had football year long, I would not complain whatsoever. So I guess we're just going to have to use the draft to hold this over, but I'm going to cherish these last two weeks, these last three games we have. When's the XFL coming back? 
I saw something like a USFL commercial for like April. I saw something really? on NBC. I feel like when I was watching the game, whatever it was that was on NBC, I feel like I saw like a USFL commercial. Maybe maybe it's in huh. another dimension, a la Spider-Man, but let me tell no, you. I, I think you're right, Eric. It's just like, I don't know if we'll get contests and stuff for it. There's no hype whatsoever. April 16th, 2022, the United States Football League will kick off. Inaugural what? season. Yeah, uh, this is what I'm here for. This I'll play it. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't need we need contests for it. Yeah, yeah but that, I'll bet it. You're too. telling me that you're not gonna get contests, you're gonna get contests. I think you you're will. going to. I think yeah. dude, we did not get AAF contests. Let's not forget. Yes, we did. Fanball only, not DraftKings or FanDuel. Is we'll that right? find a place. Yes, if no, there are no, contests, no DraftKings, no oh, FanDuel. Oh, you're right, Matt. You're right. Yep, you're right. You're right. Um, yep, you're right. Uh like I don't think it's a given we we get this. From a betting standpoint, though, XFL was super profitable early on if you paid attention to that. I was so sad to see it go for that very reason. So, yeah, uh, me too. It was a, the DFS product was super fun too. Yeah. We had, a, we had a lot of exciting offenses. The quarterback play was bad and we couldn't always get the production on the field, but like Walker it was cool was awesome. to watch. Walker was great. We had some air raid offenses and some guys like Dearness Johnson, he's now in the NFL. Like PJ Walker's kind of failed in the NFL, but Dearness has had a good career. A couple of these guys have actually gone on to have some success. Parham, I mean, a couple guys. Yep. And um, Jordan to, what was his name? Tiamu? Yeah, Jordan Tiamu. He was in the NFL for a little bit. Yeah, the failed Ole Miss QB that couldn't figure out how to work with DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, DeMarcus Lodge, and Dawson Knox. Surprise, it wasn't he terrible at the XFL. Wasn't Josh Johnson in the XFL too? Had a couple yeah, big games. He was on yeah, New York. If only had any skill position players around him. Do you remember week one and week two, there were guys that were like 10,500 at wide receiver and were DNPs. They just didn't play. It was incredible. Navigating that was tough, but it was fun. XFL is set for a relaunch in 2023 in the collab in a collaboration with the Canadian Football League. So there's that's that interesting. Well. Yeah. Let's go. That's really interesting. Could be fun. Some of the XFL rules were actually really good too. Like they weren't bad. So all right, we'll see. I'll play any of them. I really don't care. I'll bet any of them. Just give me football. All right, boys. Let's do it. Oh, and if you want to join, hit that join down below. Get the uh, custom emojis, the free super chats each month, the badges. And we'll always prioritize your questions, comments, all of that good stuff, along with our premium Discord members. All right, let's go. Well, running backs, I'll throw it to you first, Eric. There's actually, believe it or not, I and we'll get to this after we talk about the, the top-owned guys. I actually think as of now, there are amazingly a couple, maybe somewhat contrarian pivots at the position that we can talk about, but... Let's start it off with, with Joe Mixon coming in at, you know, nearly 50% projected ownership right now against the Kansas City Chiefs in a game with a very high, a very high total for good reason. I think it's still 54 and a half, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 50, yep. 54 and a half. Yeah, so Joe Mixon, I mean, just looking at him, he's the guy with the most secure workload period here. I mean, I will say the story of this entire, uh, I mean, this entire championship round is going to be what happens here with the Kansas City and the Rams backfield? Because we know with San Francisco, you're going to get a lot of Eli Mitchell. We know with Joe Mixon, you're going to get a lot of Joe Mixon. But in terms of just the guy that I trust the absolute most with the highest ceiling, yeah, they're seven-point road underdogs. But Joe Mixon does have some pass-catching prowess. He's starting to show off. 
in a way we haven't really seen before. They started about week 16 against Baltimore, but he has seen no fewer than five targets in any of those games. He's had four plus catches in every single one. You had P Ryan being a guy that you had to worry about from time to time. And really, I'm not worried about it whatsoever anymore. Even in negative game scripts, you're going to see Joe Mixon out there playing a lot, receiving. He's shown to be the guy in every phase of the game here for Cincinnati. So 6,800, I don't think it's going to be very cost prohibitive. I wish the DraftKings had really jacked up the price on guys like Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup to make you really have to decide and then make some like mid-range, low-end options to fit into lineups. But Joe Mixon, sub-7K, it's just not an appropriate tag for a guy that's projecting legitimately six-plus points more than anybody else at the position. So uh, I'm looking at him as a guy that we really need to lean on. Yeah, Matt, if we weren't getting this pass-catching upside from Mixon recently, we'd be having an entirely different discussion. You know, he's running almost 25 routes per game over the, the two playoff contests. But uh, on, on the ground, he's been, he's been modest at best. He's averaged or he, he's produced less than four yards per attempt in every game since week 12. Like these are, these are odd, odd occurrences for Mixon because on the ground, he really has been pedestrian, but he's made up for it. Much like we've seen Leonard Fournette do in, in, in Tampa Bay with the pass catching upside. Uh, do you see yourself getting over the field on Mixon or, or being around it or under it? What do you think? I'll probably end up a little over the field on Mixon. I think his production makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's a guy that's playing behind a horrific offensive line. You saw Burrow get sacked like eight, ten times. I don't know what it is. Nine. Nine. Perfect it was a playoff. It tied, it tied a playoff high. Yeah, so those guys aren't good at blocking. So Mixon has to struggle with that. And his pass catching, catching usage is fantastic to see. I mean, this is a guy that was a phenomenal pass catcher at Oklahoma. He caught nearly 40 passes in his final year at college. So seeing Zach Taylor and the cast and crew not use him as a receiver is kind of an indictment on the coaching staff a little bit. Like, why are you using undrafted, like style player practice squad level Samaj P. Ryan over him? It doesn't really make sense when you have a guy that can handle all the workload. So it is positive to finally see him take on that role and produce with it, raising questions of why it never happened before. But ultimately, with the running back position, we know that touches are more valuable than anything else. And even if he's playing behind this offensive line, if Mixon's going to touch the ball 25 times, even as an underdog, that needs to be considered. You know, I feel like Jarek McKinnon's ownership right now is absurd. And I'll tell you what, I say Eric's eyebrows go up like I'm saying something crazy here. But let, let me just explain. <laughs> let, let, me, let me just explain. He's very, very popular. It's not as much that I think that is crazy as I think the fact that Clyde Edwards-Alaire at basically the same price yep. is relative, not unowned, but basically half the ownership of McKinnon. If that's the case, I'm just going to take my chances in a lot of spots and go with the guy who averaged 8.6 yards per attempt last week in his return to action, probably gets more opportunities this week on top of what we saw in, in the divisional round. I get it. Jarek McKinnon has been very much involved, uh, very solid pass catcher. He's always been known to be, but let's not go crazy. He is not uh, an ultra-talented back as a rusher. Sure, he's been fine this season, but the doubling up ownership on Clyde Edwards-Alaire in a game with 54.5-point total, to me, just gives us a lot of outs to hit on a guy like CEH, Eric, when – you don't really get those opportunities at a running back position most times when you only have two games. So that's where I'm at. 
Well, also, we just saw Jarek McKinnon play a lot of the snaps. Now, CH first game back, so we could see an increased workload there. We also saw Kansas City trailing throughout most of that game against Buffalo, and that just sets up for Jarek McKinnon's spot more so than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And now you're getting him at half the cost. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire, if you're in like a goal line situation in the first half especially, where you're going up a score to as well, I think he gets the goal line work going forward. We saw Jarek McKinnon get a lot of the goal line packages simply because of his pass catching prowess. And once again, they were coming from behind and he opens up some different some different paths for them rather than your standard go-ahead runs. So I think CEH is very intriguing. I am with you. I said, I think the Kansas City backfield and the Rams backfield are just two things you have to get right. And I think there's some uncertainty for very different reasons that exist in both. Um, so I'm I'm with you. I think Clyde Woods are layer. You're going to probably be my preferred option at their current owner, ownership. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, Jerk – Jerk McKinnon hasn't really played a lot the entire year. He's been clearly behind not only CEH, but also Derek Gore at times, Daryl Williams, who we haven't just spoken about yet. He may return. And I think people are just filing him away and he's clearly not been healthy. So, I mean, if Daryl Williams returns, why wouldn't he just go ahead of Jerk McKinnon? McKinnon's had one good game all year. It just right. so happened to come in the playoffs. So I don't think there's any guarantee that McKinnon's even the number two back. Daryl Williams has played well ahead of him all year. I think, I think we're he's all probably. Same. I go, think McKinnon's probably earned a little bit of work just in the receiving game. I he mean, has. that's sure. There's no Eric way B. that he's not going to get rolled in. But he's for, almost fifty percent owned right now. That's Correct. What, that's the exact yeah. difference. I, I don't think it's a guarantee he earns all the third downs. I didn't like all of them, but I'm saying he is going to get some third down work. There's no way that after the way he's looked the last two games, which you know, admittedly, he looks better than anything I could have possibly expected. I mean, I liked him in Minnesota. Obviously, San Francisco, we never really got to see him. But now here in Kansas City, I think they found kind of what his niche is. And his niche is just being able to be a serviceable pass catcher when need be. Ten rushing attempts, I don't see that happening again. But he has seen double-digit carries to go along with it. Daryl Williams got phased out of that game. I think he was just really, really dinged up and probably shouldn't have been playing in that wild card round. But, like, legitimately, he has been the number two guy, so there's more uncertainty there. Probably not enough for me to take shots on Daryl Williams, although he is by far one of the cheaper backs at 4,200. So if you wanted to, you know, take a shot on a guy, probably only going to play 20%, 25% of snaps tops. You could try that. But I mean, CEH for me is kind of clear in a way, the guy that he was drafted, he's got, you know, obviously you're just trying to win football games. So you're going to play the best available in any spot here. CEH, I think is the best option they have on the ground. Okay. I do too. I mean, look, would it be shocking if McKinnon gets a similar workload to last week? No, it's, it wouldn't be crazy, but God, it's just cra what's crazy is seeing how far above Clyde Edwards Alaire he is right now. So we'll see. We'll see. And, and look, last week, it's not like McKinnon blew up either. He had that one tw big 20 yard, huge 20 yard reception on fourth and one. But aside from that, he was serviceable. That, that's it. It wasn't like he had this explosive game. Matt, you're right. He's had one great game. He's had one really good game, and it just so happened to come in, in, in the postseason, but it was against the Steelers team that literally any running back probably could have had a good game against. Yeah, 100%. And he's been well behind Darrell Williams all year. I'm not saying Jarek McKinnon's not going to play Eric. I'm saying there's a chance that this is a timeshare and a three-way timeshare. I don't even think we disagree, but the fact that Jarek McKinnon is so much more owned makes me more likely to take shots on Edward Slayer and Darrell Williams because there is uncertainty. Can we talk about 
this Acres and Sonny Michelle situation because, I mean, look, no surprise Acres struggled last game at all, but he still had 24 attempts and lost two fumbles, one of them a critical fumble that could have probably should have resulted in the Rams' loss. I can't help but think, and someone mentioned this yesterday in the comments, and I thought it was a pretty salient point. It's possible, Eric, that we see Akers start off with the bulk of the workload once again. If he fumbles, though, which is entirely possible, this could be a Sony Michelle type of game where he comes in and picks up a lot of that additional slack. Uh, and I, I don't really know if Daryl Henderson's going to be out there, but he's been designated to return, so there's that as well. A Acres is a is a tricky situation against, let's be fair, a good run defense for San Francisco. Yeah, when I said uncertainty for different reasons, this is what I'm alluding to is, you know, he had two lost fumbles. The definitely could have cost them the game. There's really no doubt about should that have. whatsoever. He should have probably, but – you know, obviously Cooper Cup can somehow get wide open down the middle of the field in a in an end of game scenario, which is beyond me. But Cam Akers, 5K sitting there for him, $100 difference between Jarek McKinnon, a $200 or what, $300 difference between Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, Cam Akers at his current ownership, I, I, I think you would still probably have to be invested. 24 carries. I mean, they basically just, apparently he's a made man with the Rams right now, but I will say Daryl Henderson is, is somebody that I've got my eye on. Once again, he didn't return here last week, you know, whether, whether or not, I mean, it was a knee issue. So like, you don't want to be screwing around with that. If he hadn't been practicing, he had kind of been phased out towards the end there as is when I mean, you have what six carries, one carry week, 15, 16, till he got dinged up. So I think Terrell Henderson could be a wrench into this entire slate. Uh, Sony Michelle, it's very strange to see him going from, you know, 21, 13 carries there. Yeah, Cam Akers returns, and all of a sudden he gets one carry against Tampa Bay as opposed to 24 for Cam Akers where he's getting run into the ground, going nowhere, two yards per carry. I'm probably inclined right now, um, like uh, if Daryl Henderson gets activated, I'm just going to have no interest in Cam Akers. But if he doesn't, I still think he's probably the guy who gets the most work between him and Sony Michelle at this point in time. The price, the $400 difference, there's not a lot of discrepancy that exists there. I think he probably needs to be invested in regardless uh, if you don't have Daryl Henderson activated. But if he does, I mean, I might be taking shots on on Henderson, for God's sake. Whoa, whoa, okay. I'm saying, I like, do they trust? If, if they're bringing him up, you're basically saying whatever we saw from Cam Akers last week is problematic. We're probably not going to be giving him the same kind of workload because we don't want him fumbling twice. For me, even if Henderson returns, I still like Acres because of that insane workload. But I think if Henderson's out, I'd have some more interest in large field tournaments of taking some shots at Sonny Michelle, just in the event that it's not another massive workload. And we've seen Sean McVay mix it up in the past. Uh, Eric said it. I mentioned it as well. Matt, it's just a tricky situation with this Rams backfield, which is crazy to think, given that Michelle's or Acres is coming off a 24 carry game in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't think the Daryl Henderson elevation to the active roster would mean as much as Eric thinks. I mean, they had four backs active in their most recent game and Akers handled all the work. I mean, I know Daryl Henderson's a better player than Jake Funk and special teamer Buddy Howell, but I don't think it's a guarantee. <laughs> Akers is clearly the guy they prioritize. Sonny Michelle had a fantastic year and they just immediately cast him aside as soon as Cam Akers was healthy. 
So perhaps the fumble changes this. This is something we just don't know and you're going to be taking guesses on. Right now, according to our tools, Cam Akers is about 20% under own. So he's a guy I'm going to be well over the overweight on compared to the field. And I would rather play a guy like Daryl Williams, who's shown a clear role in this offense, whereas Daryl Henderson is not. He lost his role clearly to Sony Michelle at the end of the year. What do you think of Eli Mitchell to round out the uh, running back position? I think that's it. I think we've pretty much hit on everyone, right? Yeah. Eli, Eli Mitchell, I think, is a solid play. It's, it's a really interesting slate because the two players that have the most consistent workloads are underdogs. And in the case of Eli Mitchell, pretty significant underdog with some questionable pass catching ability. And I don't say that in terms like he's not a guy that's ever seen targets. He has he even saw four targets last game against Green Bay. But they are using Debo Samuel a lot in that capacity. We know Debo Samuel is better than Eli Mitchell as a pass catcher. They use a little bit of Kyle Juszczyk in this capacity. So I think his pass catching workload is just a little more volatile, but there is upside there, especially if they're trailing. He is a guy they have given targets to in the past. On the ground, his carries have been so consistent throughout the year with injuries, without injuries, coming on and off the field. This guy continues to see 20 touches per game, and that's almost been a lock. So I mean, just because of that, there's a lot of scoring equity. I think Jimmy Garoppolo being banged up only elevates the run game. Unless they get severely down, like severe negative game script, I'm not sure Eli Mitchell gets phased out at all. And what's crazy, Eric, is just to kind of add on to what Matt was saying, I don't remember the last time the Niners have been in a severely negative game. I guess week nine against, I don't know, at least with Mitchell on the field, I should say. I can't remember the last time he's been phased out because their defense and their pass rush and their offensive line in terms of being able to run block has just held the pieces together even when Garoppolo has struggled or even when the, the, the secondary has been banged up. It's a strange team with the way they function this year when Mitchell's been on the field. Coincidence, maybe, but I don't remember him being phased out uh, of, of, of the game uh, yet based on how it's flowed. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a, I mean, he's seen eight and nine carries in like two different outings and you know, I know one of those was coming off of the injury uh, week five. He was out from weeks three, uh, out, out weeks three and four there. Uh, got phased out there for a little while. But as soon as he returned after being out from week 13 to Both week Both of those games were against Arizona now that you mention it. Both exactly. games that he's had less than like 17 carries were against Arizona. Yeah, and that was when Arizona was good and he got phased out because they were yeah. in negative game scripts. Um, you know, once upon a time when we believed Arizona was a good football team. But uh, legitimately, he's got the most secure spot here outside of Joe Mixon. I don't think there's probably any question about it. I guess you could look at the Cam Akers box score and say, oh, 24 carries. But again, I think those two fumbles might play into something and just something to keep eye on uh, as we're going into the weekend. But like Eli Mitchell, I don't really know what to say. He's going to get 15 to 25 touches in some capacity. Uh, sprinkles in a little bit of receiving work there from time to time. Jimmy Garoppolo may or may not be limited in some capacity. I, I don't see what you don't love about Eli Mitchell and his number two got hurt on a special teams play, Jeff Wilson. So like, do you think J. Michael Hasty is going to go out there and get any kind of carries? No, not whatsoever. So Eli Mitchell, fire him up. All right. I guess that's it at this position, right? I mean, I, I can't think of, I, I have no interest in use check or P Ryan or, really taking shots on any of these guys because all the other running backs are already so cheap. I think, I think just eliminating right. them from your player pool and just letting other people take those shots is probably the best way to go. Matt. Yeah. I think a better way to be contrarian is to leave some salary on the table 
or take some stance with ownership. Like maybe you play the two lowest owned running backs together just because you're going to run into so much duplication. But at the same time, do you really want to take a shot on a Samaj P. Ryan who might be on the field for single digit snaps? I do not. I, yeah, I think I'd rather <laughs> just leave some salary on the table. You're, you're only out there, honestly, you're only out is Mixon getting hurt. That's true. I, even I, if even if P. Ryan has a 40-yard touchdown reception, it's probably the only play he makes all game, right? So you get 10, 10 11 points from him. Like it, it still doesn't really suffice at his price when you go, all right, well, Cam Akers might touch the ball 25 times again. So Yeah, what it really is is when you're playing a guy like this <clears throat> on a two-game slate, like a cheapie that's going to be 5%, 6% at the running back position, you're not even playing them with the hope that they cut uh, that they get a bunch of touchdowns. You're basically saying, I hope the whole running back position fails and the access that they give me to Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, and Jamar Chase is worth it. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for the whole running back position to fail when you've got one, two, three, three guys that are probably going to see 20-plus touches. Exactly. Like, even if they aren't good, P. Ryan still needs one. And they're not expensive. It would be so much different if we're like, yeah, you know, everybody else, it's really tough to get to mixing at 8K and uh, Mitchell's priced up to 6,900, but it's not the case. I mean, there's one player above above 6K. So, yeah, I think it makes a, a huge difference here. Let's keep it moving, though, fellas. Talk a little wide receivers. Before we do, though, prizepicks.com. Have you checked it out yet? You should. If you haven't, though, you're in luck because, well, you get a free month of Awesome O Plus Platinum. All you have to do, it's a $90 value, everything on the site, all of our tools for every single sport out there. And uh, all of them created, all of these tools built by Alex Baker himself. You can get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on on top of that. All you have to do is click the link in the description and sign up at Price Picks or the one that our producer, Mike Lawrence, already did or is going to throw in the chat right now. I mean, really, it's a win-win. You play on a solid site. You can use the, the, the you can use it on desktop at prizepicks.com. You can download it in the app store, the Google Play Store, and you get a hundred dollar up to a hundred dollar first match deposit bonus when you use the promo code awesomeo A W E S E M O. I mean, if you think about it, it'd be crazy not to take advantage of this. Use the tools we have at Awesomeo. Use our player prop tool, use Odd Shopper, get all of that access to all of our other tools that you can use on every other DFS site out there. But check out Prize Picks, daily prop-based contest. There's no sharks, optimizers, no mass entries. You basically are creating lineups, two to five players, all props, right? There's no juice on either side of them. You're just picking the over or the under. Bless you. And you'll get – you get 10X your entry uh, on a 5X. You still make – unlike traditional books, I stress this every time, where if you hit like three of five or four of five, you're not getting anything back. You still 2X if you hit four or five at prize picks. You make money back if you hit three or five. Or you could do the power play where you do a four and you got to hit all four, but you 10X on a four, we'll call it leg or a four player lineup. Check it out. Seriously, I really do believe you'll like this site. You'll get the free month of Awesome O. You get the $100 deposit bonus using the promo code Awesome O. You'll get an email from us within like 24 to 48 hours after you uh, sign up. You can get your free month of awesome. We'll get you into our premium discord uh, and all of that stuff as well, where you can especially ask questions, learn from the pros in our, in our uh, office hours channel. And also we'll help you navigate all of the best tools out there. So prizepicks.com, check it out. Sponsor of the strategy show. 
Matt, wide receiver. There's no other place to start than Cooper Cup. The guy's an absolute monster, and he's projected for the most ownership at wide receiver. The question isn't, do you like Cooper Cup in a vacuum? Because it doesn't matter if there's 100 games. The answer is going to be yes. But more so, on a slate like this, you're always going to have to make some concessions. You're always going to have to – someone always becomes a casualty of the slate if you're playing a lot of lineups or even if you're playing a few lineups. At wide receiver, I think it's our job to kind of figure that out today. Yeah, for sure. And talking about Cooper Cup is always going to be interesting. I think you can build lineups without him, but you're probably stacking the Kansas City game. Like in that instance, you're probably running something like Mahomes to Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. For sure. You need to look at the players that have a similar ceiling to Cup because we know his range of outcomes is tilted so high. You know, I mean, like this guy has such a high floor that who can even rival him in scoring? Well, I think Tyreek can. I think Jamar Chase can. So you need to take those things into consideration when you're building around Cup. And based on his ownership in our tools, he still does provide positive leverage, suggesting he is under-owned here. But there's certainly ways you can build without him. And if I am excluding Cooper Cup, I'm trying to take a stand on some of the lower-owned alphas, the Jamar Chases, and the Tyreek Hills in particular. Even though they're a little bit higher on themselves, I think if you play those guys together without cup, that still could give you a unique construction. I like that a lot. And we had a question in chat. It was actually PGA related. Uh, Eric already answered it, but just so you know, there's still 25 minutes until lock. And since yesterday, our PGA top golfers tool has been free, which is an incredible tool. Eric could probably attest to that better than I could, but uh, it's an awesome tool. That's free. So you still have 25 minutes to look at that and, and figure out where the best, uh, highest leverage plays are. You'll see. I mean, it's, I don't know, Eric, it's, I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but just all of the, all the bells and whistles in that tool are, are phenomenal. Yeah, it's incredible. We have the pro plays where you're able to see all of the plays, whether it's, you know, Ben Rasa, Alex Baker, Steve Buzzard, anybody here, Jason Roslin, myself, we put up our plays every single week let you know exactly where we're prioritizing certain players on the board. And it makes it pretty simple to be able to look at something also like the top golfers tool and see immediate leverage where, Oh, it seems like ownership's pretty low on this guy. And if you're hand building a couple lineups quick and easy to be able to cross reference the two. And if you're making 150, kind of prioritizing certain guys, maybe changing projections yourself to kind of account for where our minute differences are between our builds. It, it seems like, you know, the best plays, uh, according to ownership, are going to exist every single week. But really finding some of those mid-tier pieces of leverage, you know, for me this week, a lot of Aaron Wise, a lot of Maverick McNeely, finding certain guys that you can just feel confident you're getting it in good with week in, week out over the course of an entire PGA season. That's the name of the game. Not to mention golf is one of those sports where, like, you can get different and it works out quite well. Yes. Um, yeah, so that's free. Same with NHL ownership projections. MB, big slate tonight. NBA ownership projections are free. Want to check out all the tools, boom, bust, top stack tool, lineup builder, fantasy cruncher, you name it. Go to awesome.com slash join. You can do a week. You can do a month. You can do a year. You can do one sport, every sport. Doesn't matter. Awesome.com slash join. If you have questions, hit me up. Uh, DM <clears throat> over at Lafayette underscore D. I'm happy to answer your questions. Eric, uh, wide receiver for you. Matt broke, Matt broke it down pretty succinctly there where we like the way that people probably attack non Cooper cup lineups and, and how to approach Cooper cup this week. How are you seeing it play out? Yeah. Cooper cup, obviously last week was one of my big stands. That was fun. Um, I'm not going to lie. Cooper cup was awesome. Now you're seeing a different slate. This, that was a four gamer. 
it felt like the Sunday ownership was a little wonky. People weren't necessarily changing around their lineups the way that they should. Of course, people were always going to have exposure to Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, those offenses, but that game kind of went a little bit forgotten. We got a sub 20% Cooper cup. This is a two gamer where he's going to be nearly 50%, if not even a little bit more 8,800. We don't have a ton of running backs. We had Derek Henry on the slate last week. We had like four or five tight ends. Now you just basically have Kelsey and Kittle in their own little tier and then the rest of the position. So I think you're going to see higher than 50% ownership on Cooper cup. I think you have to have the discussion now of how you can get away and fade and do some different builds. And I think the easiest way for me to do it is you just target KC Cincinnati and you stack it up a bunch of different ways, 54 and a half total. I think there's a lot of ways that the Rams and San Francisco play a football game with the air out of it. And they just run it a bunch on each other. And I, I think that there's a strong path for that. Do I think Cooper cup fails in that spot? Absolutely not. But I think if he's going to be 55, 60%, like I'm sort of expecting him to be, I think just trying to cap in, uh, capture all the upside from the wide receiver spot, whether Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Byron Pringle, you know, another guy that's just continuing to be that number two right now for the Kansas City offense. I think finding unique ways to game stack that one up, maybe getting different in like one or two spots, you know, playing a defense even in that same game, perhaps, and trying to get different that way. I think that there's some ways to try to build that way. And that's going to be how I kind of get away from Cooper Cup. So, I'm interested in all of the obvious options. I don't even know how much time we need to spend on them. It'd be more fun probably to hit on some of these, these lesser owned guys. Like, I mean, Matt Tyreek Hill is, is egregiously underpriced. Once again, he had a 30% target share last game. He is 100% back to full strength. Uh, it, one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen. He's flashing a peace sign at a, at a player that's in front of him before he scores. Granted, I think it was I think it was a, a linebacker, but still, the, he's he's outrageous, and there's just a lot of nice plays here. Jamar Chase on the other side, I, I don't think we downplay uh, how how much firepower this this Cincinnati offense can have in the passing game. Right, we saw it against Kansas City earlier. We've seen Burrow with some monster games. This could be a huge shootout, and I think really the only way that Cincinnati keeps pace is by scoring. So I think mean, chase, I like a lot, obviously uh, uh, Terry kill, but I'm interested in Tyler Boyd this week as well. And I'd love to get your opinion on him and just all of the passing weapons for Cincinnati. Uh, I already hit the over on Tyler Boyd uh, receiving prop. Ben said it yesterday. We say it all the time, get in on these props earlier in the week. They can swing dramatically. Like you can see huge swings on these props. Use odd shopper. Look at where we've got him projected. Look at the expected ROI, the expected win rates. Find the best place to bet him because we do all of that for you and hit them early. Who, care if you're, who cares if you're tying some of your money up? It's much better to get in on a much better line. And I think some of these are going to move. So give me just all day, uh, Tyler Boyd, over 35 and a half receiving yards. We've got him projected way higher than that. What are you doing with Cincinnati's pass catchers? Yeah, I love Tyler Boyd from that perspective. I mean, the guy Let's had to go. He had an 18.5% target share on the year, and it's tilted a little bit towards Higgins and Chase down the stretch, but that doesn't mean this couldn't revert back to the season-long stats at any point in time. We, we know the role Boyd plays. He's going to be more of your safer underneath route. And, and for a DFS perspective, I think him and Pringle are the two very clear cheap receivers you want to be targeting on this slate. Just the way right. price shakes out, 
the other players that are in this range don't have the most consistent role. You're talking about like the Mecole Harmons of the world. I, I think you could even put like Brandon Ayuk in the less consistent roles. So when you have a guy in this range like Tyler Boyd with an 18 and a half percent target share in a spot where they should be throwing a lot against a suspect Kansas City secondary that may or may not be without Tyron Matthew, it's a spot that makes a lot of sense to me. And he's kind of not only a solid play himself, but what he allows you to do with the rest of your lineup makes a lot of sense to me. Speaking to T Higgins for a second, I also view him as underpriced. The target chair and area chair were nearly identical between Jamar Chase and Higgins throughout the year with a slight tilt towards Chase. But we've seen these guys alternate massive games. It, it kind of reminds me of the Tampa Bay situation where you, at their prime, in the, the height of Tampa Bay's powers, you had Chris Godwin and Mike Evans alternating enormous games. But sometimes mm -hmm. people were, would shy away from playing either of them because of the uncertainty here. I think you have that a little bit with the Cincinnati receivers. And if they're both going to come in below 40% ownership, again, it's a two-game slate. I'll be taking a lot of shots with Higgins and Chase. Let me ask you one more. And then, Eric, I want to get your take on, on these guys we're talking about. Uh, one guy you didn't mention at the bottom, Matt, and understandably so, is Van Jefferson. I can't help but each week at least want some pieces of him. He played 90% of snaps last week. He's run four fewer routes than Cooper Cup in, back to, in both of these playoff games combined, not in each game. But he's only targeted on 7% of the routes that he's run. I feel like at some point something might give, and if it does, you're getting a sub-4K Van Jefferson at, like, no ownership. Yeah, I like Van Jefferson for sure. I, I definitely think he's in this tier. You mentioned it. His role's just a little less consistent than a Byron Pringle and a Tyler Boyd. So you're hoping for a deep shot. That's the role he plays. It's kind of the Deshaun Jackson role. Take the top off the defense. Like Brandon Cooks used to play for this offense. It's not always what this role like can do when they get the ball, but sometimes it's just opening things up for Cooper Cup, Odo Beckham, Tyler Higby. But if he does catch the long ball at his price, if he's going to be right now, we have him at 14% ownership, which is extremely low for a two game slate. So he's somebody I do like quite a bit as well here. All right, Eric, break it down for us. What are you doing with the non Cooper cup options this week? And we can get into the nitty gritty too, with some of the real low owned guys. Yeah, I love the Van Jefferson uh, shout out, mainly because the, the Rams during the regular season played 11 personnel on 83% of snaps. That is by far the most in the NFL. So you're looking at him being on the field a ton and, you know, 90% snaps here. I think that sub 15% is just too little for a guy on a two game slate. That just speaks, though, to the potency of all the wide receivers above him. There are so many spots we've seen Odell really kind of uh, carve his role out here as the number two uh, in recent weeks here for the Rams. We've seen T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd all have explosive games underneath Joe Burrow. Tyreek Hill, I don't think there needs to be any conversation about. Brandon Ayuk, it's strange to see him get a little bit more ownership, but we have seen some double-digit upside in, like, you're looking for 15. Like, I think if you can get 15 out of a guy, like Brandon Ayuk, 5K and under, I mean, there's Byron Pringle who just kind of opens it up for me where, you know, if he goes for his normal allotment that I expect as the number two underneath Casey, it's hard to see him failing in this spot for me. But, like, other than him, like, I, I think you really want to play a little bit of the ownership game. Van Jefferson is 3,900. I'm not sure how much the savings really matter, but it matters to get Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill into lineups. I think that that's kind of the really, that's that, that's what you're unlocking at the top end or Jamar Chase if you want to take that shot too. But Van Jefferson, really at his ownership, probably the most intriguing guy simply because I know he'll be on the field a bunch. There's a lot of other options that San Francisco has to account for around him. And he's got the big play potential in a way that uh, a lot of these other players down here don't. All right. Hey, uh, 
either of you guys, before we hit on Hall of Fame and, and shout out some new inductees here. Actually, we got tight ends too. Anybody else at wide receiver that we haven't hit on? I think we got to most of it. And oh, I, I'm I would be remiss to 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 not ask you guys about Debo because I, I still have reservations about this guy every week, especially with Jimmy Garoppolo's arm. I'm glad you brought up Debo. I, I have a little bit of interest in him actually, just because I think he's going to come in extremely low owned compared to the higher guys. That's not reflected in our tools right now, but 35% when you have Jamar Chase cheaper, when you have Tyreek Hill cheaper, I'd be shocked if Debo's 35% owned. I think it probably comes in a little closer to the 20, 25% mark. And I, I have a question for you two. Like if San Francisco's losing this game right from the onset, where's Debo going to play? My at least intuition suggests that he should be playing out wide. Like if you want to throw the ball and you're playing the game from behind, the best way to use Debo is not at the running back position. So I think there's a chance he sees more targets and he's used less as a runner this week. If this game actually plays to the spread. So it kind of making some assumptions there, but if that's the way it shakes out, I'll have more interest in Debo. Go ahead, Eric. I think Debo, it's going to be a question mark of what his health is coming into it. We're going to pay attention to that coming into Sunday. The guy's a baller. Like, there's really no doubt about it. He was unbelievable in that Green Bay game. Only put up 11.3, but if you watched it, he was doing everything for that football team, getting just the the dirty, you know, two, three yards that you needed in certain spots, and he's that kind of a guy. Now, from a fantasy aspect, obviously, you're not going to be in a zero-degree Lambeau field this time around, and maybe you get a little bit of an ownership discount. I think at 35% right now, I'd still shy away, which just sounds ridiculous because the guy just continues to prove me wrong every single week, but I'm probably going elsewhere at that kind of a number. If that Q tag next to his name, and if the uncertainty were to somehow swirl around him coming into Sunday and he were to drop to like 25%, that is really the time to take kind of an overweight approach. But in the same range, you just have so many guys that uh, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Odell Beckham. I mean, we're talking about a one game sample or a one weekend sample and can Debo, you know, run for two touchdowns? Sure, he can. But if he's limited in any sort of way, you're paying, you know, for the second most expensive wide receiver and a guy who doesn't even have any kind of a pass catching floor. I don't yeah. think he's limited. You don't think he is? I mean, he's got a knee issue. He limped off the field at the end of that game. And, you know, I don't trust reporting when it comes to uh, like a conference championship spot. Like, I, I don't think there's any question he's going to play like that. That would be absurd that if he didn't play, he's pretty badass but like Debo Samuel I, I don't know it, it looked like it might be something where it's like yeah we expect him to play with this knee issue but he could just not be nearly as ex explosive was probably the right way to say maybe not limited but like maybe not nearly as effective so here's yeah. the thing he, he had a helmet to the knee which could just be like a bruise situation I don't know but he Shanahan said and take this for what it's worth it's coach Peak. He said that Debo's expected to practice this week, which is a very positive sign. If players are truly banged up, they're not practicing. And then he was jumping around, like, on the field, congratulating people. Could be adrenaline, but I think if a guy's truly hurt, you're probably not doing that. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to assume if he's out there and we don't hear anything about limitations, he should be. Get, yeah, my, you, my question that nobody answered was, do you guys think he plays more receiver if they're yes, down? Yes, of course. Not, I don't care Absolutely. if you think he's hurt or not. Has oh, to. no, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, thanks, Matt. Uh, absolutely, I do. I think he plays more receiver. Yeah, I do. I, I don't. I don't see how he couldn't. How? Okay, so last. Remember how I said they haven't been in many negative game scripts. 
there was that one against the Rams where they were down 17, nothing. He only saw six targets. So, you know, not great, but the other game that they were trailing almost the entire time was, was Tennessee. And he was targeted 11 times had nine for 159 through the air. I, I don't really know what your alternatives are. Like, I don't think Juwan Jennings is, is the guy you're looking for when you need to score points. They just haven't needed to lately. Like they haven't needed to get points quick. So yeah, I, I think that Debo Samuel will be, will absolutely be out. What do you not? Like, do you no, no, that- I, I did. I did think that. Okay. Everybody asking who this week's Gabe Davis is. Nobody, nobody is going to be Gabe Davis this week. You never just, know. Nobody, nobody Brandon is going to be. Oh, I will literally, I will eat. Uh, you could come up with any bet possible. You could tase me. How about that? Matt <laughs> Kajewski. Yeah, you heard me. You could, I'll let Matt Kajewski tase me if Brandon Ayuk is the highest scoring on wide receiver stream, on this right? slate. On a stream. On a stream, I will literally buy a taser. There's got to be something where you can have an app that can tase me from a distance or something like a shot caller. Oh, no, we're flying Matt out. It's a, it's a joke. It's a joke. I know. I'm not joking. I'll fly Matt out. <laughs> You can be oh, there. For, you can be there for mine whenever it happens. Okay, oh, Matt, you got to take a video adorable. of it. We'll create an event. You have to. Wow. Yeah. Um, like I had every under I think imaginable on Brandon Ayuk last week, and that was one of the ones you don't have to sweat, which feels good. You know, people are like, oh, I love sweating <laughs> bets. I don't. I don't. Give me a guy that, that's targeted once all game, and I'm perfectly happy betting the unders there. Loffy just laying back there in the money. Just you should Donald be, though, Tuck. right? Like, yeah. I, I, I get it. Like, the sweat is fun when you're in it, but if I don't have to do it, if I can coast, let me coast. Yeah. I have not been coasting with my Bismack Biombo unders. It has not Dude, been he's fun. Crushing. I quit. I quit. I'm done. Crushing. I'm done betting his props. I can tell you that. He's absolutely crushing, man. It's crazy. But, uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that tonight on the Wednesday. I'm assuming Phoenix plays tonight, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, they do. And everybody's out. It could be Jalen Smith back in our life as a backup to Bismack. Bismack could be projected for like 36 minutes. I, I was just working on my sheet a little bit before the show. Obviously, golf locks in eight minutes, so that took the priority. But, like, God, I'm so over this dude. He's having the best season of his life, man. PEDs is what Ryan wants him tested for immediately. No, let him go. This is enjoyable. I'm all it's about a lottery the P- pick. I'm all about the PEDs, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, they made baseball great, didn't they? They did make baseball great again. Just let them juice up to capacity. The only, re- <laughs> yeah, yeah, till they burst. The only reason <laughs> I disagree with them is because, like, there are actually players out there that care to take care of their body. Right. That's like, true. That's that's what makes it. Uh, that's what the unfair advantage comes from, where they go like, well, anybody could do it. Like, yeah. But not everyone wants to end up like Jose Canseco and, you know, lose your sex drive for 37 years thereafter. So I don't know. At least I wouldn't want to do that. Matt. Uh, yeah, that doesn't sound fun. That no. doesn't sound great. No, I think it's an important thing to have. <laughs> All right. Tight ends. Let's talk about the position, Matt, with. Travis Kelsey out of the gate, him and him and Kelsey are sorry. Hill had a combined 50% target share last week, obviously skewed towards Hill with those 13 targets, but Kelsey with the game winning touchdown, he's a beast. We all know that sure. It took overtime for him to get there, but um, let me, let me position it this way and then just run with it. You can hit on everything. Same with you, Eric. I think it will just make more sense. 
we're only even projecting four tight ends. Unless it's showdown, I'm not going to Kendall Blanton this week. You guys can take your shots there. I'm good. But really, it's Kelsey, Kittle, Higby, and CJ Usama. That is it. And all of them are totally viable heading into Sunday. Yeah, 100%. They're basically going to play all of the snaps for their respective teams, so we don't have any of these Green Bay Packers, Josiah Zaguara timeshare situations, which gives you a little bit of security and I think you can take shots on just about any of these guys. I was really, really surprised to see Kelsey coming in with such a high negative leverage score based on our tools. I think if he does have this high negative leverage score, you're probably projecting Kittle into a larger role than what he's seen, he's seen recently. And I think that makes a little bit of sense if San Francisco's playing from behind. Kittle's been one of the least efficient tight ends down the stretch this year. And we know probably of no fault of the zone because we've seen it. Kittle be arguably the best tight end in the league. Oh, he's still a beast. Yeah. He's definitely still a beast. It's can Garoppolo get him the ball. Now, how likely is it that we see one of those Kittle games? According to our tools, it's a little more likely than the field's going to be playing him. And you do save $1,500 and salary is not tight, but you do have to make those decisions because we do have so many studs. You can't just go out there and play chase Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup. So if you do save the 1.5K by going down to Kittle, I think you can put that to good use. Right now, tentatively, I'm going to be looking at more Kittle than Kelsey in tournaments, but we'll see how this ownership shakes out. I think this could be the decision for me that's influenced the most by the news we get later in the week and kind of the sentiment around the side end position. I'm definitely looking at uh, the over too on Kittle, Eric. It, it We got there last week. We still haven't projected 17 yards over his 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 prop on DraftKings, where the best bet is 65% expected win rate, uh, one of the highest expected ROIs among all of our props this week. So I still like Kittle's over prop, but I do have like I can understand anyone having trepidation when it comes to George Kittle. I can too, but uh, to calm your fears a little bit, the boom bust tool that I, I believe that uh, Matt Kajewski was referring to there. Travis yeah, Kelsey yeah, that's it, that's it. is over 50% of ownership right now, 51.6%. And his optimal, uh, optimal appearance rate is about identical. Now you're saving 1500. You can put that to use on the wide receiver spots, but still, I mean, you're going to want to in these large field tournaments, leave salary on the table. One of the easiest ways to do that is to zero out a build with Travis Kelsey, take him out and put in George Kittle. Obviously if you're stacking a Mahomes. That's something to consider. And obviously the entire lineup build itself matters a lot, but like a one for one swap, leaving the 1500 on the table, you're not giving up that much. You're just not. And I, I expect Kansas city to rely again on Travis Kelsey, the way that they haven't before, but like George Kittle eruption game. I think that this sets up really nicely. You got to remember too, last week was about as much of an outlier as you're possibly going to find for a football game. It doesn't rival what we saw with that Buffalo and new England game, but it's pretty similar where, the elements, you know, zero degrees with a limited quarterback. That's definitely something that you have to think about. And then uh, going back even to the Dallas game, they were just able to kind of control the ball. They were, that was like an extreme positive game script. Dallas came from behind in a capacity where it was like, oh, well, we still aren't going to utilize George Kittle. They basically played the field position game. You had a wonky end to it. You know, that was kind of them going out and winning the game at any cost. George Kittle in any kind of a negative game script is going to be a stud. He's $1,500 difference. That's going to be a big stand that I take. You only have four tight ends to even really consider on this slate whatsoever. He's my favorite out of all four right now. And again, I mean, look, sorry, I was trying to get some housekeeping done over at Awesome <laughs> while we were doing the show, trying to multitask, not great at it. Uh, 
again, they just haven't been involved in a lot of negative game scripts. Like if that does happen, is it possible that Kittle still isn't heavily involved and that Garoppolo still has a noodle arm? Sure. Um, but can I, can I just say, I should take that back for a second. Garoppolo made some really good throws in that Packers game that were mm-hmm. either dropped or just like beautifully defended. So it wasn't all terrible. It was still bad, but it wasn't all terrible. Either way, I like Kittle. The price keeps coming. What's he at now? 5K? Yeah, 5,000 5K. flat. Like, if you're not taking your chances on one of the preeminent tight ends in the league that can have those huge games that we've seen before and is still, like Matt said, the same tight end we've known him to be, I think you're probably making a mistake. I, I, I want to get to some Usoma again now, Eric. I, I, I don't understand. Or Usama, sorry. I don't understand how, you know, this guy – is still 3,400. Like he should probably be more expensive than Tyler Higby. Yeah, probably. Uh, We're going to see. I mean, this is one of the crazier two game slates you're going to find because there's one clear cut option in Mahomes, one floor basement option in Garoppolo, but Stafford and Burrow play on two such pass happy offenses that I find it hard not to be looking at paths to be stacking them up in one way to be able to afford a Cooper cup is to play Higby, you know, to afford him in the, the Stafford stacks. And one of the ways to make Burrow work with Jamar Chase, and if you want to play the combination of, you know, either Hill or Cup in that lineup, is to play C.J. Uzama, who's seen a lot more target share than what I was expecting uh, in these playoffs. Now, he's had some spike weeks. I don't know what week that was forever ago. Uh, It was week four against Jacksonville. But Matt Kajeski and I were doing live before lock, and this guy kept asking us about C.J. Uzoma. And I could not believe that we were even having a conversation about this dude. And he goes out and puts up an eruption game. Now, have we just seen a a larger uh, target share than expected over the last two? I believe so. I'm probably going to shy away if there's more ownership there and go more towards Higby, who's going to be on the field a lot. As I said, they play a lot of 11 personnel, uh, you know, over four-fifths of the time there. And so Higby is going to be the lone tight end out there a ton. So ridiculous that Blanton ended up getting the touchdown catch there in that spot, but I'm happy because Rinpak benefited. I think CJ Uzoma is just fine. But I think that, you know, amongst the four, probably the least intriguing to me. And yeah, I know he's the lowest owned as well, but I think I'm probably going to be siding with the more uh, more proven commodities, I think, with with Kelsey and Higby and those uh, pass-happy offenses. And then George Kittle, you know, I think is just going to be a larger stand that I'm taking in general. And I think that's fair. My, the, only, the only, like, devil's advocate point there, their counterpoint, is I could see the Rams Niners being like a a 20 to 17 game. And you could see Kansas city, Cincinnati being, you know, a 40 to 37 game. True. Obviously that's a, that's a little hyperbolic, but I'm not sure if it's that crazy. We saw it last week, what 42, 36. Um, So it's, it's interesting, Matt, our game script adjusted run play percentage tool, which is very cool. And it's free. It's on the NFL drop down under the advanced stats. It's projecting Kansas City, Ram, the Rams, and the Bengals all for like 35 to 38% run plays this week, which is really low. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, actually. Really, really low. But for Kansas City, I think it, it makes some sense. But, I mean, for some of these cheap tight ends, I, I think you can take some shots because of that. All right. Anything else you want to hit on at the bottom of the position, Matt? I don't really have much to add to Eric. I think I'm in full agreement with him. I like Higby a little bit more than Uzoma, but this is a position I want to spread 
my ownership a little bit more than some of the others where I think I'm going to be taking a larger stand on like Jamar Chase and Tyree Kittle. I likely have the most Kittle if the ownership stays where we have it right now. But from there, I think Higby and Uzoma are largely touched on dependent. And I think Higby is just slightly more likely to secure that. All right. Awesome. Hall of Fame. We got some new ones in today. They've been rolling in a lot lately. We had some huge wins last week. If you want to get involved, inducted into the Hall of Fame, get your shout out here. Get all that love on Twitter as well, because you got to tweet us at AwesomeOHOF. All you got to do is go to awesomeo.com slash avatar, download that avatar, use it on DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, wherever it is you play. You finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more, tweet us at AwesomeOHOF and get a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum, $90 value, and get inducted into the Hall of Fame right here. Sometimes there's a lot of people that would rather just be in the Hall of Fame then, then get the free month, which obviously you get both, but you know, it is a, it's a crowning achievement for many people and it should be because you will always be here. So if you want to get involved or even if it's not top three in the field of 5,000 or more, but it's a win that you're proud of, maybe it's your best hit yet. Feel free to hit us up there as well. Include Matt, Eric, and myself in those tweets. Cause we like to see that as well. Melissa, a couple of days later, it's finally setting in my biggest DFS win yet. I'm coming for you. Shit. My money. Uh, $50,000 baller, 10K up top. I told you guys, man. Yahoo, Yahoo, you got, you got to get over there, man. Got to get over there. Great payouts, softer, softer, uh, softer competition as well. And then Zane, let's go. Solo ship is next on the agenda. Appreciate the amazing content. Easily the best out there. Boom. $17,000 on the Sunday night showdown. Keep getting that money, man. Eight or ugly eight game. Uh, eight game on, on FanDuel, 5K. Once again, thanks to the Process Show, the Slate Starter Podcast, and great analysts like Ship My Money and Greg Ehrenberg and all of the great content. Continue to have success in NBA. John Tope, I love this one. Decided last minute to throw some lineups together. Only thing left was a 25-cent entry. Jumped in before lock, and uh, look at that. 300 and 100. Another, we're seeing a lot of Yahoo screenshots lately. I should tell you something. And uh, a lot of NHL screenshots. Eric, I know when you host Live Before Live, I don't know if you do Hall of Fame, but uh, a lot of NHL screenshots lately. I love yeah. seeing It's a beautiful thing. I mean, whenever I have a day off, I kind of make it NHL day. I, I play a lot of the NHL streets, so it's an enjoyable it's an enjoyable sweat. Jake Harry, all the guys doing all of our YouTube content, do an incredible job, you know, being able to look at the projections. The best projections period bar none in a NHL. No question. And we got the top stacks tool and all of the other stuff that we have for every other sport. We don't neglect hockey just because it's not no. one of the big three. Come on. Uh, but yeah, all of the guys that he mentioned do a phenomenal job with NHL content. So check it out and we'll wrap it up. Uh, well, we won't because Melissa's on there twice. Did, did this get mixed around? What do we got? D Denny. Okay. So this just flipped on me. We're, go back to the hundred K one real quick. Right? Well, there's a 100K one, isn't there up there? Mm -hmm. I think it was the first one, the first slide right off the bat, 100K. Yeah, it wasn't like that for me. Everything just changed. Look but anyway, D-Lanny, $100,000. Huge win in NBA the other day. I wanted to throw that one out there because it was huge. So congrats to all of you guys. Welcome to the Hall of Fame. And welcome back if you've been here. Awesome.com slash avatar. All right, let's do it. We'll close it out. Pretty simple here. Only four teams to talk about, Matt. But top stacks. Uh, yeah, top stack percentage on Kansas City is through the roof right now, 44%. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. Short slate, 
in these spots where you have condensed ownership, it's there's always the possibility that they're still going to be coming in with less ownership than they should be. And right now, Kansas City, that appears to be the case, although it's very slight. So they stand out right away. And I think it's not just because, you know, you have Patrick Mahomes, you have these premier options, but you have the best total in the board. So they're expected to score more points overall. So Kansas City, I think you could still stack up Patrick Mahomes. I like that you can now get a little bit contrarian with him. If you want to play a Byron Pringle, it makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, Kansas City is going to rotate those ancillary options like DeMarcus and Nicole onto the field here and there. So there's just a lot of ways to play it. I think you can honestly full onslaught it as we saw a lot of people do a lot of winners do last week. All that's in the realm of possibility here with KC. You know, I still have some people that, that watch my shows and, and content and interact with me on Twitter that have been with me since I was at like fantasy insiders or, or basically for free at basketball. Uh, I can't even remember what it was called. It wasn't basketball. What was the, Oh, the fake basketball. The fake basketball. And I always appreciate them. So I wanted to read this. It was Family Man said, I was with Matt on Twitch when he only had four people, including me, watching. Hidden gem. If I could hashtag now, everyone knows him. That's always pretty cool, Matt, to see that type of stuff. Yeah, I appreciate you, Family Man. Feel free to reach out. We would love to talk to you sometime. Appreciate all the support. Yeah, absolutely. I love that stuff. It's uh, it's good stuff. Eric, you've been in the content business, what, a couple of years now? A couple of years. A couple, couple of years. years. Yeah. You got some people that'll ride for you. I know. I was going to say, I, I need them. I need some people defending <laughs> me at time to time. Uh, you know, the, the YouTube troll game is strong. It's strong. Oh, but em. Matt. <laughs> I'm serious, man. Most, <laughs> see, I love it so much. Most of the people, like 99% of people that watch these shows watch because they, they, they appreciate it and they like us. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then there's 1% of assholes. Who cares? true. But true. those are the people that are vocal. But who cares? Mm-hmm. No, you shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I I do know. I I get what you're saying. Again, it's I, I will say work. who cares. It's just one like, of those things. Yeah, it's one of those things. Ninety nine percent of people are amazing. Sometimes the one percent plays a little bit louder than they should in your brain. So yeah, man, that yeah. is what it is. But Matt Gajewski, I was gonna say, I I've known you for freaking ever from. I mean, just. Best college projections, period, bar none. Check out all of his college basketball stuff. And uh, there's nobody else that I would trust in that regard other than you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that a lot. For NFL, you suck, but everything else you're great. <laughs> if you're it's part coming. of that 99%, hit that <laughs> thumbs up, please. We're at 56. It'd be nice to get that up a little higher. I got 250 people watching for a two-game championship weekend slate. I'm okay with that. And if you're watching after the fact, feel free to leave a comment down below. Um, you know, I always try and read them. I always try and, and, and respond to them as well. So appreciate you guys. Subscribe too if you haven't done so. But yeah, hit that thumbs up as we wrap this up. Eric, top stacks. We have the tool updated. And at this point, the positive leverage comes in heaviest on Matthew Stafford. And it feels like it's that way every single week. But how much are you worried about ownership on quarterbacks compared to top stacks? with like a, a, a Patrick Mahomes this week or such. Well, not only that, but I think Burrow, because if it's a 54 and a half total, I think it's carried along with it a little bit as we get closer to lock. I love Matt Stafford again. I was massively overweight to him last week. And I I'm, felt great before that late game. That oh, yeah, yeah. I felt great <laughs> until I didn't. Exactly. Right way Dude, when it. he had like 35 yeah. points and a rushing touchdown, like this can't go any better. Yeah. And then Josh Allen was my second largest stand. I had very little Mahomes once again. And, 
he ends up getting there in the last two minutes to just crush my hopes and dreams. I was top 30 in the Millie there for a long time. Thought I had a shot. If I could have gotten Devin Singletary to do anything else. Um, but regardless, looking at the board here once again this week, I, Matthew Stafford is going to be my preferred quarterback. I think that that's going to be pretty clear cut. It helps so much when you know that you're going to be playing cup in those lineups, no matter what. And if cup doesn't hit a ceiling, you know, Matt Stafford's not going for a ceiling and you're pretty much dead as it is. So I just like that. It basically fills up two positions on your roster rather than just one. So, I mean, I'm going to play any time Stafford's in a lineup. I'm going to have cup coming along with it, you know, and I think it's pretty easy to look at Higby van jefferson i really do like for tournaments and odell beckham who's kind of had a new prominent role here on this team pretty easy to see how they succeed and how there's a lot of pass catching to go around for a lot of those guys but so clear cut stafford to cup huge stand once again second week in a row mike where did the buffalo and everything was that from last week or something did i did i forget to update that it said like buffalo and tampa bay on the lower it's a Kansas City ran Buffalo, Tampa Bay. Where is that coming from? How much LA Homer bias comes with that Stafford pick? Zero because I'm not a Rams fan, but uh, I, I would I say I just checked the run yeah. sheet, I don't see it in there. <laughs> Loco choking, I'm choking too, but I'm not because I don't like her. The Rams, Matt, can we close it out just with a couple of spots that are low leverage, like San Francisco? I, I really don't want to get to Garoppolo at all, even though. You know, even though he's cheap, but I know Burrow's got a, a low leverage score, minus 6%. I, I, I still have such a tough time not wanting to get there. And I'll just give you my quick opinion and we can wrap this show up. They're literally only running three wide receivers. That's it. There's no one else. It's Chase. And you talked about it earlier where they trade off, as we saw with uh, Godwin and, and Evans before. It's Chase. It's Higgins. And it's Boyd, who is low owned and very cheap. And then Usama, if you wanted to throw in there, I, two of those guys are very cheap. One of them is pretty damn cheap, and the other one's not that expensive. Uh, it, it just feels like one of those stacks where I can at least understand why a lot of ownership's coming in on someone like Burrow. Right, and it depends on what you're playing. I think our our tools are really useful if you're playing things like like cash games, stuff like that, because then, then you can maybe get an idea. Okay, Patrick Mahomes is expensive, but it's still worthwhile to pay up for him. Yeah. And this goes alongside with our projections. But on a slate where you have four quarterbacks total and three that really stand out, I do think you should be playing some Joe Burrow. And just because he's a little negatively leveraged, it doesn't mean you can't play him. If anything, you can get a little bit different with him because right now he's coming in with much lower ownership than a Patrick Mahomes. His receivers are lower owned. And then you can consciously build your stacks with some other high on players, perhaps at other positions. It's not like you're going to be going into the slate, taking every single one of the highest positive leverage scores and fitting that into a lineup. You have to make concessions at points. And with the ceiling Burrow has showed, he's somebody I, I definitely am willing to take on a little bit of negative leverage. If it means I can build a solid lineup that has high projected pieces elsewhere. And maybe that's cup. Maybe that's that's Kelsey or somebody else, whatever it may be, but he does allow you to do that. Well said. Uh, Eric, final thoughts. Close it out for us. I think we did a pretty great job. Be very, very careful. Um, I, you want to be very, uh, I guess, what's the right word? I don't even know. You want to be aware of what ownership is coming in on, on certain guys. Cognizant. Cognizant. I love that word. So we're going to fire that up. Be cognizant of what ownership is going to be 
uh, on certain players because, you know, one guy could be a fantastic play at one level of ownership and a terrible one at another one. And that really comes down to the running back position for me. Be very aware of news. Stay attuned to that. See if Henderson's activated. Listen to anything you can about Akers, but it seems like he's a made man there in, in L.A. Love it. You got a live before live coming up tonight for NBA? Yes, sir. I was going to say, see you there. You're going to be on it? Yeah, we got a NHL coming up a little bit later. They've been crushing that. Matt, I can't wait till you guys do some March Madness content, by the way. That can't come soon enough. Ben and I did our first VOD on Monday. It was solid. We went two and one betting, having a lot of success there. And then as DFS expands, as these games get a little bigger, hopefully we can provide some more. Boom. At Matt underscore Gajeski on the Twitters. At Eric Linquist and at Lafayette underscore D. We'll catch you guys back here. Thanks for hanging out as always. This has been a fun one. Last one until we wrap it up with the Super Bowl two weeks from now. So stay tuned. Join Matt Savoka and I back here tomorrow for the matchup show. And we'll head it into the weekend for a two-game championship slate. This is the strategy show presented by Prize Picks. Get your free month of awesome. I sign up for Prize Picks. Do it now. Don't be an idiot. Peace. I'm sure they love that. I'm sure they <laughs>